Before I get started this, uh, in this morning's message, I want to just say a couple of things. One is, um, most of you know, we're starting a Spanish service, uh, services here at Living Word, and we're having an open house this uh, Friday uh, at 7, 7.30 uh, in the CE building. So open house, meaning we're going to be introducing and you wanna invite friends to ask any questions. Luis Castaneda will be the pastor. And so this next Friday at 7.30 in the CE building, we're having an open house uh, for that. Also, I wanna say welcome to those of you that are visiting and uh, young people. We especially wanna say welcome. We do have a youth uh, ministry and uh, we always love to see young people because they are the future leaders, right? Those of us that are older, well, we're on our way out. <laughs> But we welcome all of you, all of you, uh, to worship God. And that's what we're here for. God is not so much about do's and don'ts. Religion. Religion is very popular among human beings because religion says, if you do this and this and this, God is going to accept you. Oh, I need to do something, something, this and this and this, or I can do that. I can have the power to do that. And it uh, encourages human arrogance and pride and self-sufficiency. That's religion. And God says, no, I'm not so much interested in do's and don'ts as, a, as I am about relationship with you. And is that not what we all want? Loving relationships where we know that somebody truly, truly loves us and we love them. We all want that from the deepest part of our being. Of course, we all know that <laughs> there's all kinds of problems that are come up, right? And when problems come up, broken relationships. Now there's fear, now there's anger, there's jealousy, there's all these problems because of sin. And God says, I, I want to come and restore relationship with myself and with one another. And to do that, I am, have to deal with sin because that's the biggest problem. That's what causes the biggest breakups. And the world is all busted up, right? It doesn't matter how rich or poor or what have you. Uh, some of the richest people, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, billions and billions of dollars, they recently both went through divorces. All right. <laughs> Money. Mm -mm. And very famous people take their own lives. And you don't have to be rich and famous to take your own life. Many young people are taking their lives. Why? Because of broken relationships. Because of sin. That's the reality, you see. And God wants to come and address that. So that we can have life and more life. So that then we can be a resource for others. It's not just for us to be happy and fulfilled and, no, no. He has us here so that we can be a resource for others. And the more we are here for others, the more joy, the more fulfilled, the more meaningful lives we're going to live. A life of power, and a life of just energy to, to give to others. But that's what God is here to give us life so that we will be there for others. But again, the temptations are very, very high to look to other resources for life, right? It's just, they're just throwing at us. They're being thrown at us day in and day out. And our own hearts go after them as well. And the word of God 
is they're showing us very, very clearly. Only uh, we don't want to submit to it. Uh, the Bible. <laughs> and you see, that's why it's very important because the Bible, listen, the Bible goes straight to our hearts. And to see the very intents and thoughts of uh, us human beings and addresses the soul, what's really there. And so sometimes against our own emotions, against our own motivations, we have to say, Lord, help me look at your word to address what's really, really there. Because otherwise, we go to do's and don'ts, right? We go to, well, who's, what's it going to please that person that I want? Um, how am I going to stay out of trouble? I got to behave. And away we go with behavior, and it's a trap. It's a prison. And because it doesn't work, there's still an ache in our soul. And when there's an ache in our soul, we're going to turn to whatever relieves that ache. Pornography, uh, drinking, buying, work, 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 work. Uh, the gym, the gym, the gym. <laughs> whatever it takes to numb the ache in my soul. And in a way, we're back to religion, right? Uh, anything can be religion. Anything. Right? The gym can be a religion. The mere Bible can be a religion. Right? And God says, no, no, no. I want about relationship and address the problems of our relationship and the problems within relationship with one another. And the world is dying. And I want to use you to address the world. The Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 uh, instructs, you know, everyone. And we live in one of the richest nations in the world, even though there's so much corruption and garbage. But still, we're amazingly wealthy. You may not think so. But just being inside this building with air conditioning. Huh, we, were in, we were in Africa at one point. And we went to this church where they worshiped. They had no roof, half built to the windows, no windows, all dirt. The stage were stones. And they were worshiping God like you wouldn't believe. Rich, rich, rich. But we think, well, you know, can you imagine worshiping without no roof? Here in the valley, 110 degrees. <laughs> no, I think I'll stay home. But here we are, super comfortable, cushiony chairs, <laughs> everything, right? The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. But on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Hmm. Um, and when we, again, miss, our focus is all messed up. We end up worshiping idols. Where We end up looking in ways to try to make ourselves happy, relieve the pain. And those things come back and mock us. Those things come back and make us look like fools. I trusted in my money. I trusted in my abilities. I trusted in my intellect. Mm. Those things come back and mock us. And the older I get, the more I realize, yeah. You know, uh, I understand and I acknowledge the Lord has given me a good mind. All of, I remember back since high school. And, uh, but the older I get, it's like, buddy, <laughs> you're depending on your intellect? <laughs> you're going down. 
I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I've always needed the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, young people, I don't care what the world is offering you. If it's not Jesus Christ, it's going to come back and mock you. It's going to come back and make a fool of you. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I beg you. So, you know, we come to ourselves and to be asked the question of our own selves. Not anybody else. Now who's not here at church and who is and who's next to me? Am I, can I prove my, no, 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 no. You. You. Where are you in your relationship with God? Don't look at your neighbor. There's nothing. You in your heart. Right? Maybe you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've heard the gospel. But maybe you never trusted and today is the day of salvation. Because most likely and usually human beings depend on themselves. Right? And the gospel says, nah, you can't save yourself. I don't care how pretty you are. <laughs> nah. Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again from the dead, and you need to trust him. You need to put all your trust in Jesus Christ. But maybe you have trusted in Jesus Christ, and you're confused about Christianity. Maybe you need some understanding. Because you've seen the church, and you've seen the hypocrisy, and you've seen, you've seen hurtful ways within Christians, and you want nothing to do with the church. Well, let me tell you. That's not Jesus Christ. You need more understanding of Jesus himself because we are going to let each other down all the time. We need Jesus. So maybe you need understanding about Jesus. Or maybe you've had understanding about Jesus, but you've kind of walked away. And maybe it's time for you to recommit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Only you're not quite sure so I'm saying that this morning, after we go through this message, I hope that maybe there's a new sense in which you say, you know what? Yes, I need to commit to Jesus Christ. I need to commit to his kingdom. And I need to commit to what he has called me to do. Right? So we'll see how that works. Uh, we've been going over, as we said, the vision for living word. What is the vision? We want a church that because the members really, really know God. And out of that deep knowledge of God, they're willing to go out and sacrifice, speak about God. Even if there's rejection, but they know their God so well that it's going to be okay. I mean, that's really what Jesus did, no? It didn't matter how much he was rejected. He kept giving and giving and giving. And even when nails were on his hand and his feet, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And God is saying, I want you to become more and more like my son. Not that you're going to be at the cross and be able to pay for anybody's sin. But you can be my hands and feet and mouth to communicate to a lost world. Because the world is dying and they need Jesus. And so we want that vision for the church. How do we get there? How do we get to that point where people really know God in such a way that they're willing to give their lives away for the kingdom of God? How do we get there? This is where our purpose statement comes in. What is it that the church is supposed to be doing? And at bottom is they're supposed to be, as a church, we're supposed to be discipling others. Helping others grow into Christ-likeness. Well, how do we do that? We have in the churches five essentials. Five necessary activities and actions in the church. And we have those five. And uh, just as a summary, let me see if I can get this going. Oh, um, Yes? No? There it is. Okay, I did it. Um, our purpose statement, our, uh, we, uh, our vision is to be a church where the members really know God. 
And because they know God, they're able to contend with the world, uh, uh, to bring people out of darkness into the light. And we say, well, how do we do that? We have a purpose statement. And this purpose statement, here it is. Um, and we say worship is the middle of it all, the foundation of it all. We need to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so it's not just Sunday morning. It's throughout whole of, all of life. Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, all every day, in every way, the way I dress, the way I speak, the way I spend my money, the way I act, the way I drink, everything to worship God. And that's a lifelong process, right? A lifelong process. It's not from you flip a switch, okay, you're done. No, it's a lifelong process. And then we say uh, Christian education. We must have the word of God and understand it. Not just know all the passages and what books of the Bible. No, 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 no. What does it mean? It shows the character of God. And it shows our need to, to, to address sin. What breaks the relationships? And what is God after? What's God's values? All those things. We need the word of God. That's Christian education. Right? That's why here at Living Word, we emphasize the word of God. And so we have Sunday school, and after the sermon, we have a sermon discussion because we need to get at the scriptures and understand the scriptures, not just have Bible knowledge. People, a professor can have Bible knowledge and yet not know God. So Christian education. But then we also have fellowship, community. The world is dying for community. And so we need to disciple people, and what does it mean to have holy, loving relationships full of truth? Because that's what's going to give us power, right? Jesus said, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, right? Well, how in the world can we have love for one another if we don't know one another, you know? And it's uh, to know someone takes a long time. And we're all scared that somebody's going to know my secret. So we stay away and... Superficial community. No, and the world is dying for authentic, genuine, deep, loving relationships. But it takes hard work. And as a church, we're to be discipling others on how do you develop that, right? Community. So Christian worship is the foundation. Christian education, so we know what God has said. And then Christian fellowship, applying that. But then we also have outreach, right? It's not just for ourselves. God has us here so that we can be reaching out to all those that are in darkness and suffering. And, and sometimes while we ourselves are hurting, we can still reach out to others because we know God. And then finally we have it, stewardship we'll, we'll cover at some point. But this morning we're going to cover outreach. And uh, what is that? For that, I want you to turn to uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And I wrestled with what passage? And there were like 20 of them. I said, I can't do that. 20 of them? No. So, okay, let me stick to one. No promises. First uh, Peter, First Peter uh, chapter 2. And so, again, this I'm going to be focusing on the outreach, right? We're here to be the eyes, mouth, hands, feet of Jesus to love people. Right? And if you're not there, if you yourself are all wounded and all confused, and you take it easy, all right? <laughs> the Lord's going to take you wherever you're at, you know? But this is, again, we're going over this essential, and this is what, this is what God has provided for you and me to have a life of meaning and purpose and joy. It's, a, it's just the greatest thing because it's God's work, right? It's God's work. So here, um, let me read the passage. First uh, Peter chapter two, first Peter chapter two, starting in verse one. Therefore, and uh, as someone said, whenever you see therefore, find out what, what it's there for, right? Therefore, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, that's quite a house cleaning, uh, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as a living stone, 
which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. You see that? This precious value then is for you who believe. But who those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. But you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that, here's the purpose of you being, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. My, my. Um, we must uh, be living through Jesus' word. That's what we find here, the first five verses. We need to be living through Jesus' word, through the word of God. And then... There's always opposing experiences with God's way, right? With his ways. There's always some people that, that accept and they follow God. And there are those who reject and they have a different experience. And that's what we have here in this passage as well. You, know, you need to choose which way. And then we have believers purpose or meaning. And that is proclaim God. Proclaiming God. So first of all, then, I want you to go back to verse 1. Therefore, uh, and what he's getting at is you've got to go back three more verses to verse 22 of chapter 1. Uh, verse 23, that is. Verse 23 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. And this is why, by the way, I prefer the actual literal Bible because when you're in your phone, okay, you scroll up and you miss the one below. Anyway, don't think you have to get your physical Bible. I'm just giving you my presence, all right? But here, if I look up uh, to verse 23, for you have been what? Born again. You have been born again. When a child is born, what usually is supposed to happen, the child gets nourishment from the mom. And the father is supposed to be providing, pouring into, so that the mom can give and give and give and give. There's nourishment through the parents. Right? So Peter is saying, okay, since you've been born again, uh, not from the seed, which is perishable but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. So you've been born again, then now, in verse 1 of chapter 2, therefore, since you've been born again, guess what? You need nourishment from your parents. You need nourishment from God himself. And so then, verse 1 is really a participle. In other words, before he gets to what you need to do, he says, we need to have a little bit of house cleaning. right? So he says, verse 1, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies, long for, that's the, that's the imperative, that's the commandment, long for the pure milk of the word. Since you've been born again, therefore, be nourished by what God your parents provide, the word of, of God. You see that? That's the argument. That's what Peter's doing. 
right? But first, there needs to be some house cleaning, he says. In other words, uh, when we have a bag and it has all kinds of garbage in there, and you say, take that garbage out. Yeah, take the garbage out, but then you're going to need to put something good inside, right? And our hearts are like that. If our hearts are full of envy and hypocrisy and all that, that's got to go first, man. That's got to go first. If you want to um, go back up to 22, chapter 1, verse 22, since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Oh, that's what we were saved for, to love one another and love God. Well, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? The first thing is you got to clean house. You got to take all the garbage out. And that's what he says in verse 1, right? Clean house. Therefore, putting aside all malice, and the word there, <laughs> in Greek I won't say it because it sounds awful, but it's evil basically. It's evil. Clean out all the evil, and then he goes and spells out what that evil is. Um, put aside all evil. It's translated malice. But it's really badness, evil, wickedness. And then he spells out what that wickedness looked like. It says, all deceit, dalon, all deceit, uh, trickery, falsehood. You need to put away all that falsehood, all said deceit. And hypocrisy. You need to stop pretending that you're somebody when you're nobody. You need to stop putting on a show as if you've got it together and you don't. You're a mess inside. Put away all hypocrisy and envy. Uh, why don't I have what that person has? Why do they get all the goodies and I don't? What do they? There's just envy, right? There's resentfulness that I don't have what they have and they have what I want. Put that away, man. And all slander. Uh, putting the odd down others. Exaggerating negativity. Because, and by the way, who's Peter writing to? Peter is writing to believers who are suffering. Peter is writing to those people who are suffering. And let me tell you, let me ask you. When you and I are suffering... Are we not tempted to do what is wrong? Are we not tempted to, well, I think I'm going to lie a little bit because I think I've got to pretend. We, we give all to all those temptations and they're there. And Peter is writing to those who are suffering. Verse 1 of 1 Peter. I'm writing to you who are aliens. You have no rights, he says in verse 1. You're aliens in this world, and you're scattered, lonely, afflicted. That's who, people, who Peter was writing to. And when you and I are suffering, we're going to be tempted to do what is wrong. And Peter says, you got to clean house first, man. Get rid of all this stuff. But clean house... Take out all the garbage, but you got to put in what is good. And what is good? Verse 2. Like newborn babes, did he not just say three verses before, you've been born again? You are like babies. Like newborn babies. Long for. Look to that as your pleasure. Look to that as what's really going to nourish you. We had five children, and one of them especially wanted milk. All the time. I mean, we, and my wife's telling me, we used to go to like six gallons a week. Huh? Seven to ten gallons. They all like milk, but this one particular one, oh my goodness. Peter's saying, long for. Long for that which is really going to nourish you. The translation here is unfortunate because um, 
long for the pure milk of the word, really should be the spiritual milk, the reasonable spiritual pure, the word there is unadulterated. Uh, in the previous verse, when it says, therefore, laying aside all malice and all deceit, deceit is dull on. In verse 2, ah, dalan, undeceitful, pure, unadulterated word of God. It will not deceive you. That's what he's saying. And these days we have all kinds of deception, no? Uh, we might think, oh man, we have all kinds of knowledge. What? Where do you get that? YouTube. Okay. <laughs> As if YouTube is uh, the inspired word of Silicon Valley. <laughs> you need the pure, unadulterated word of God. That's what Peter is saying. You know? And that's how what's going to help you grow. Because now that's what he says. So that he may, uh, you may know, uh, grow in regard to salvation. What does it mean? Uh, I think what he's getting at is this. Learn the effects, the meaning, the, the value of salvation. We may know, oh, yeah, yeah, I got fire insurance. When I start breathing, I'm going to heaven because I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And that may be true. But you may be ignorant of all kinds of realities of what this salvation means. You see? Because we don't know what this salvation means. We just go through lies and we fall into what the word of the world is offering. We fall into all the temptations and what the goodies that the world is offering and our own hearts want. You see? No. As you get into the word, you see the value and the meaning of this salvation that God has given to us. And then Peter says, well, have you trusted? And the response should be, well, yes, I've trusted. Because now in verse 3... If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, have you? <laughs> and the believers probably say, well, yeah, 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 we, of course we have. Okay, all right. What does that mean? What does that mean? And now, this is now where it begins to show the purpose of why we're saved. You see? Because now look what it says in verse 4. And coming to him... Notice the subtle connection between the Word and Jesus. You're supposed to be going to the Word, the pure, unadulterated Word of God, which is synonymous to Jesus. And coming to Him as to a living stone. That's kind of hard to imagine, right? A big old boulder... You can shoot at it, you can hammer it, you can break it, but it has no life. But it says a living stone. In the Old Testament, when God had done something very great for someone, whether it was Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or uh, any of the patriarchs, whenever God would do something great, you know what they would do? They would gather stones and make an altar as a witness as a memorial to what God had done. And so they would see that the stones were like, oh, here's a testimony. Here's evidence of God's work, right? Well, this is what he's getting at here. As to a living stone, a stone is also something that is immovable. It is solid. You can't change it other if you break it or something, but it's solid. And come to him as a living stone. Did Jesus not come to reveal God the Father? To give testimony of the character of God Almighty? That's what he came to do. To reveal the Father. We read that when you were, if you were hearing the, the scripture reading. John chapter 1, 1 through 18. He came to explain, to reveal the Father. And so here he is. And coming to him as the living stone, which has been rejected by men. Oh my goodness. But is that not the truth? Being rejected by men. 
but is choice and precious in the sight of God. And that has been the experience throughout salvation history, throughout human history. Either people accept and live by God's word or they reject and they experience all the effects of that. And that's been the reality. And that's what happened to Jesus, right? Well, guess what? If you and I have trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to expect no less. But we are to be witnesses. We are to be uh, representing what God has done. Just like Jesus was representing God the Father, and some rejected and some accepted, guess what? Look at the next verse. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Verse 5. You also, as living stones. Ah, wow. We're to be like Jesus, representing and reflecting God as a testimony. Our lives, the way we speak, the way we spend money, the way we talk, the way everything. As living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Uh, they would build altars in the Old Testament. And the temple was the place where people were to, to go to meet with God. Right? Well, now it's no longer a temple. It's you and I. Just like Jesus as living stones. Witnesses are being built up as a spiritual house. For a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Acceptable sacrifices. And now in Hebrews we talk about, it talks about the fruit of the lips. When we speak about God, those are the acceptable sacrifices before God. And we talk about who he is. Uh, I'd like to have a lot of time to go there, but just know that. Um, a fruit of our lips. We're being built up. And then Peter says, you know what? This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always been. And now he goes in and quotes, quote after quote after quote from the Old Testament. From Deuteronomy, from Isaiah, from Hosea. From, and he just like, this is the way it's always been. Right? And so you and I, as believers, are part of what God has been doing all along. Because now, now he says uh, in verse 6, For this is contained in Scripture. What is contained in Scripture? This dual, ex you know, opposite experiences. That's always been in Scripture. I mean, <laughs> from Cain killing Abel. All the way to today and into the future. There's going to be opposing experiences of what God has done. Some people are going to accept and, and walk with God, and others are going to reject. And this is where we are these days. So many are rejecting. Atheism is increasing, right? And so we need to be very aware. But this is anything new. Look at verse 6. For this is containing scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion. And now he's quoting from, from uh, Isaiah 28. He's quoting from Isaiah 28. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. If you go back to Isaiah 28, it shows that the, the, the nations had rejected God's work. And God says, okay, I'm going to lay in Zion as this cornerstone. And the nations are rejected, but those who believe, listen, those who follow and believe, they're going to be blessed beyond all measure. They're going to experience satisfaction and power and the beauty of God. That's what he's saying. But, it, but you know, they rejected. The nations rejected. And now, he says, uh, you were not to be disappointed. Which is in contrast to, if you put your hopes in money, you put your hopes in your looks, you put your hopes in your career, Nothing wrong with career. In whatever career you're in, you can be honoring God, right? But don't put your hopes in a career. I find these days, it's like, 
Well, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. Um, well, what about this and this career, this career? Well, I don't think that'll make me happy. I mean, you think that's what your career is for? That's going to fulfill you? Are you kidding me? Young people, don't be deceived. No career is going to fulfill you. No career. Do you hear that? No career is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that can satisfy you. You will not be disappointed. That's what the text says. You see the end of verse 6? And any other thing, you're going to be disappointed. In fact, you're going to be mocked by what you're depending on if it's not Jesus Christ. So he says, I lay in Zion a precious cornerstone. And those who believe will not be disappointed. This is precious value. Then for you who believe, right? If you believe, if you say, yes, Jesus is my king and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to obey him. This is precious. But if you do not, and if your friends do not, this, look at the second part of verse 7. But for those who disbelieve the stones which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. My, my, my. Just, I don't, uh, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, I think. Um, or is it 20? I'm on 26. It's amazing when uh, Jesus was coming in. And, um, and remember when, what happened? He was, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and the Pharisees are, Whoa, stop, stop. And, uh, and Jesus says, <laughs> don't you know that the uh, stone that you reject is going to pulverize you? If you don't accept that I am the king, that I am Messiah, I am the very stone that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And I'm going to pulverize you, man. You better accept. And they had the chance. But instead of, instead of accepting, they planned to kill him. And this was ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. Chapter 21, sorry. Matthew 21. Matthew 21. And um, when he was entering, the people kept saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were quoting Psalm 118. They were quoting Psalm 118. And then in verse 42, well, verse 41, uh, Matthew 21, they said to him, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the religious leaders, um, he will bring those wretches to, he was given a parable, and, and, and he says they mistreated, the people mistreated the, the son's owner. And what are they going to do? Well, he's, those, he's going to get rid of them, those wretches. And now Peter, uh, Jesus quotes from uh, Psalm 118. Jesus said to them, did you never read the scriptures? The stones which the builders rejected, these became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, look at this. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. The meaning is this. You come to Jesus, your pride and your arrogance, your self-sufficiency is going to be broken you need to be broken. And that's what it means. You fall on him, you're going to be broken, but broken in the right way. What really needs to be broken. But now look at the second part of the verse. But whoever it falls on, it will be, it will scatter like dust. Jesus is saying, I need to break your pride and your arrogance. But if you don't want that, then I'm going to pulverize you. That's what Jesus is saying. 
and he is quoting the same scripture that Peter quoted. Psalm 118. And so that's what now Jesus is saying, or Peter is saying, man, you're the living stones. You're the priesthood. Uh, back to First uh, Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter 2, verse 8. And the stone which is built is, um, is a rock of offense. For they stumble because they disobey the word. There it is. And to this doom they were appointed. Okay. You reject, you're going to be pulverized. You're going to be disappointed in life, majorly. You accept, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be of God. You're going to be in, in, involved in the kingdom of God. And that's what he wants for you and me. That's what he wants for you and me. Because now look at verse 9. Here it is. By the way, um, the whole world is clamoring. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? We talk about, you know, all the different genders there are now. And I used to do it too, man, as far as, you know, now you have purple hair. Now you have white hair. Now you have no hair. <laughs> I mean, we try to find our identity, our identity deep down in the soul. By the way, this is where when you attack, when you talk about somebody's religion, they become hostile. You know why? Because you're touching their soul. You're touching what they deeply believe. Right? Well, we need to be very accurate in who we are. Who am I? And what am I to be in this world? Because if I'm not clear what I'm supposed to be in this world, disappointment after disappointment after frustration after frustration, because nothing seems to fulfill. Oh, well, look at the next verse. Verse 9. Here it is, your purpose, your meaning, your fulfillment in life, your identity, your deep, profound identity. Here it is in verse 9, but you are, you see that? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. For what? What? Well, so I belong to God, now what? Look at the next part of that verse. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing. We already are the children of God. We already are the chosen race. There's no need for me to prove anything. I belong to God and I'm a child of God. But for what purpose? So that I can be opening my mouth to talk about God. Because the world is dying as it's in darkness. There's so much corruption and evil around us. And if we don't know our identity, we're going to go mad. No. It's right there so that you may proclaim, the, talk about God, live for Jesus Christ. And on what basis? On what basis? Because we're totally, completely secure. Did you know that? Completely secure. How do I know that? Because look at verse 10. So you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. <clears throat> that God Almighty is your father? <laughs> uh, what would it mean if you had the last name of one of the most richest, famous people in the world? You had their last name and you were their son or daughter. Huh. How about having God as your father? That's what Peter's saying here. You were not a people, now you're a people of God. And you hadn't received mercy. You were not saved, but now you have received mercy. Is that not what the text says? 
That's what it says right there. Read it, read it. You have mercy. When we know, my goodness, that we have eternal forgiveness from God, and he is our dad, wow. On those bases, we're to be moving and giving to people and giving to people. Not because, well, I'm going to look good. See, I got five notches on my belt. I witnessed five times. And next week, I'm going to have five more notches over here. Oh, I'm going to be all puffed up. I'm already a little puffed up. <laughs> no. It's because look at the great love of God. You see? And that's why being in the word gives us we get more understanding. We grow in our understanding of this great salvation. Will we? Will we? Have you experienced the mercy of God? Or are you sort of frustration in life? Maybe you're frustrated because you're focusing on the wrong source of life. When we look at the wrong source of life, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed frustration. When you're depending on yourself to find meaning and purpose in life, guaranteed, guaranteed failure. There's tons and tons of scripture to look at that. I'm just going to look at one. Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50. In Isaiah 50, verse 10 and 11. Isaiah 50, verse 10 and 11. Here's the contrast again. Whether you trust in God or trust in yourself, right? Isaiah 50, verse 10 is about trusting God. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And when it says trust in the name, the meaning is trust in the character of God. Trust in that he is holy and just and loving and merciful and gracious, patient. Trust in the character of God. That's number one. But if you choose not to, verse 11. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire. And among the fire, among the brands, you have set ablaze. This you will receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. That is the word of God, not mine. Not mine. It's the word of God. Um, so what choices do we have? Same as everybody else. You can accept and follow Jesus or do your own thing. I suspect that most of us here have decided to believe in Jesus and follow him. I pray so. So in verse 4 and 5 of 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and what we went over, verse 4 and 5, Jesus was a living stone, right? And he says, like Jesus, you too are to be living stones, meaning witnesses for the work of God. And so believers... You may be the source of rejection and disdain, or you may be the source of life and blessing. Don't be thrown off. Don't be thrown off. For some people, you're going to be an offense. So for some people, you're going to be odious. Like you didn't wear cologne or something. You're going to stink to them because they're not going to like the truth. But for other people, you're going to be a sweet aroma. You're going to be the source to lead them to light. 
in life. Don't be thrown off and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of how people are going to react. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not your work. The Spirit is the one that's going to convict and bring them. You and I are to open our mouths to live for Jesus. To live in a manner that's godly. That represents Jesus well. The response to people is up to them. Don't be thrown off is the main thing. You're going to be a source of rejection or blessings for people. That's Jesus' uh, life. That's the Apostle Paul's life. So we need to be realistic about that. That was my first application. Be like Jesus and know that you're going to have one. We're going to be one source or the other. Um, and so here's my second application. Form of a question. On what or who are you depending on for honor and respect and happiness? On what or who are you depending on? If it's not the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed and humiliated. Disappointed and humiliated. I can think of many passages. But Matthew 7, you apply the word of God, your life is going to be solid and strong. Hurricanes had come, but you're going to stand. But if you do not live by the words of Jesus, the hurricanes will come. And your house, your life, you might work for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years building your life. But you don't build it on, on, on Jesus' words. The winds will come and your house is going to come down. And great is the fall, Jesus says. Because all those decades of work for nothing. And so I raise the question again. On who are you depending on for your honor, for your respect, for your happiness? You need to turn to Jesus and follow him and obey him because that's going to be the source of life, of light, of joy, of enjoyment, of power, of beauty, of happiness, of satisfaction. You see, following Jesus. Then my last application, we need to proclaim. For the for living word is reaching out to our neighbors in love by communicating the gospel. We need to be proclaiming the excellences of God. Do not hold back. This is the very purpose for you and I being on earth. Did you know that? That's our very purpose for us being on earth. You know, I, I, you've heard me say this before, some of you. Look, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. He died so that I would go to heaven. Guess what? I want to go to heaven. And I tell God, well, what are you waiting for, Jesus? You paid a trillion dollars for me and I want to go home. I got a purpose for you. Why doesn't he take me home? Because he wants me to speak about the gospel. And it's the same way for you and me. He has us here so that we can speak about the excellencies of God Almighty. Will you or will you not? You know, I raised the question. There's so many things that can help us do that, right? Uh, perhaps in the morning, you need to have something around you that reminds you of the mercy and grace of God. Maybe where you're eating lunch. There needs to be a, something that reminds you of the mercy and grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Maybe in the evening, maybe in the evening, have something to remind you of the mercy and forgiveness of God so that we can be fed and fed and fed. You see, we need to be properly motivated. And that's why we need this. Uh, Jesus in 17... John 17, verse 18. That's easy to remember. John 17, 18, right? 
in John 17, Jesus is talking to God the Father. And Jesus says, Lord, the way you sent me, and by you sending me, that was your concrete expression of love. You demonstrated your love by sending me. Now I'm sending them into the world. Jesus is saying, my believers, my disciples, are the concrete way I'm loving the world. And you and I have been called to that. Will you? Will you sacrifice and tell people about Jesus? And if they know Jesus already, are they walking with him? Can you help them get to know God better? You say, Reuben, I don't know the Bible. <laughs> well, start somewhere. Start reading. Start asking questions. So then you can help others because that's what you're on earth for. To communicate the wondrous work of God in salvation. But it's your choice. You know, there's no sense in trying to force you. No. You, you don't make Jesus number one, you're going to be disappointed. You need to make him number one and make choices that you're going to proclaim the gospel. You're going to reach out to others. That's the love of God. Will you? Will you? Heavenly Father. Oh, Heavenly Father. <coughs> Thank you for your word. Your written word. Your living word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for the great, great forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us purpose in living, Lord. Thank you for making us your sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Thank you for all your goodness, Lord. Oh, God, you're so good to us. Remind us now and forever, Lord. And Father, we pray for anyone who may be here and just today they trusted in Jesus. We pray your spirit to lead them to individuals, perhaps us, to help them in their questions and growing in knowledge of Jesus. Thank you for this time, Lord. Your blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.